0: When you do a phone reading, you usually have to call. Um, and I know when you do testing, you probably don't pay for it.
1: Google voice numbers.
0: Google voice. Okay. But if, if people are getting a reading by phone, I, I would say normally they would have to pay for it at, ahead of time. They have to schedule it and pay for it ahead of time before they get a phone reading. So that's to me, that's not a valid control because you just gave them credit card information. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out.
1: Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic
0: positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind and start listening
1: you can listen to the ghost daddy podcast anywhere where you
0: listen to podcasts
1: happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science-y skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen. There's no need to draw any final conclusions keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? Hi, I just want to give a heads up that today's guest is a little different than the typical guests I tend to have on this podcast. He is a skeptic, like me, but he has concluded that None of this is real or as far as he thinks. But now why am I having him on? He has taught classes at the Rhine Institute with Lloyd Arbach. They taught a class on how to skeptically investigate evidence, afterlife evidence, psi abilities. And his background is as a ghost hunter. He did a lot of the kind of more sensationalized ghost hunting projects that I will agree do not necessarily have good evidence behind them. And he's respectful, open-minded, curious. And I just think it's really important when you're investigating all this to talk to people and make sure you're investigating logically and skeptically and carefully. So he and I talk about a lot of that to make sure I really am being as careful and evidential as I can be when I get readings with mediums and what evidence has he seen or not seen that makes him think there's no afterlife. I want to make sure I'm always on point when investigating afterlife evidence. And I also am very curious why some people have investigated this and drew different conclusions. I also want to give a bit of an advanced, quote unquote, trigger warning to be obnoxiously millennial. And I wouldn't even bring this up, except that I know a lot of people listening to this are in grief. And I remember the early days, just starting to research this evidence with my heart in my throat. Kenny has done really thorough, interesting investigations, but he has not worked in the Division of Perceptual Studies or at the Winbridge Institute. So if your heart's in your throat and you're in early grief, this episode isn't going to shatter your heart and you're not going to think all the evidence that... I have been bringing to this podcast is not true. He really shows how to make sure that if you are investigating this, you're doing it thoroughly and logically so you can trust your assessment. And I think it's a really, really especially fun episode. So I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Hi, everyone. I have a guest today, Kenny Biddle. He taught a class with Lloyd Arbach at the Rhine that I took. And he's even more skeptical than me, if that's possible, and maybe has drawn some different conclusions. And I just think a very, very interesting person. So I'll let him introduce himself.
0: Hi, I am Kenny Biddle, as you said. Uh, I am the chief investigator for the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, uh, which is based, it's under the umbrella of the Center for Inquiry, which is based in uh, Buffalo, New York. I've been investigating paranormal claims for oh so long um, because I am old. <laughs> I'm an old guy, uh, so it's been a, it's been twenty plus years, uh, off and on. I started out as a ghost hunter, so I was on a ghost hunting team. Did my own thing, did the whole ghost hunting stuff that you see on TV, which I'm rather embarrassed about now. But uh, it did teach me a lot of good information and good lessons um, that I I can relate to now when I interact with ghost hunters today Um, but through some experiences i began to rethink a lot of the stuff that i did and that i believed and i looked deeper into them did better research than what i was doing which was mostly like anything written by a ghost hunter i was taking as fact which is just not not really the good way to go Uh, and then the more i learned especially photography i got into photography for a while, And the more I learned about that, the more I understood a lot of the photographic anomalies that I was getting were not ghosts. They were artifacts, uh, uh, either produced by the camera or by operator error, which meant me. So after learning that, I really switched over to the skeptical side and began teaching more about critical thinking and understanding about photography, how to create how how a lot of these anomalies are created and better methods for investigating Mysteries. So that's me in a nutshell.
1: And I just do want to clarify and confirm this, Kenny. You have not found anything you would consider evidence of paranormal, discarnate consciousness, non-local.
0: Right, right. In my experience, and I want to make that that clear. In my experience, I have not come across anything like that. I'm still looking.
1: And I think it's really important to have guests like this on because. I think it's very important if any of you are looking into this to really examine critically because I feel I have found stuff in what I've researched, but I feel there is about 90% until I found this one little enclave, 90% was fraud and there's a lot of fraud and I just want to make sure any of you investigating this don't get deceived, really know how to think and, you know, compare when you hear things. Does this sound like it makes sense or not. And I think Kenny is a really great example of using your mind in a critical, intelligent way.
0: Aw, that's so nice, thank you so much, I appreciate that.
1: You're welcome. I will add to that that I think Lloyd is too, and he drew a different conclusion. So don't get disheartened, just you know, explore and think and see.
0: Right, and, and I wanna to add too that I, Lloyd and I get along uh, rather well, uh, personally. We do have different views on, on several things, but we also agree on several, several things. So it's really, uh, and I actually used Lloyd in a, a presentation that I do. I, I actually did a presentation last night for, uh, at the center here for a, about 60 people. And we, I was talking about how we can get believers and skeptics to work together. Some approaches that me and, and other skeptics can use to approach believers and I'm using the stereotype, so I apologize, but it's, it's the easiest way to say it. It was teaching a, an approach to have a friendly discussion rather than a, an aggressive debate. And like, I know I'm right, you're wrong. And both sides doing the same thing, pointing fingers. I don't like that. I, I'd rather get along. And part of my presentation is, is just demonstrating people that I've gotten along with that are on the opposing side and Lloyd is one of them uh, because he he came on my show. I did the course uh, with him at the Ryan Institute. So it shows that we can work together, even though we have different opinions.
1: I agree. And I actually would say I'm a skeptic too. I just feel I take a little bit of the white crow approach where I have seen you know the one white crow a few times. It's made me think that consciousness or Whatever, you know, I mean, if I could define it, I'd sit here with my Nobel Prize. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem that, you know, that's that's the the stickler with all of this, even though I don't I don't hold a belief. And I want to clarify, too, I don't like beliefs. I don't like beliefs at all, because I think I, I find that beliefs are extremely hard to change when you have new information because they become part of your core being. They become who you are. So in order to change a belief, you basically have to change yourself and, you know, what you might've incorporated into your daily life. And it's really difficult. So I, a long time ago, I switched, and this is not my idea. I totally stole it from the movie dogma, but instead of having beliefs, I have ideas. And my idea right now is that I, I don't think there's an afterlife, but if new information comes to light, that is proved valid then of course I'm going to change my worldview because that's the way this is supposed to work. And it would be much easier for me to change an idea than it is a belief.
1: It's interesting. I actually agree with you, except that I think there most likely is an afterlife, but I'm still an atheist and I call myself even not an atheist, exactly an evidentialist. I have yet to see any evidence that I could call a God, but I have seen evidence in different areas that I could conclude where consciousness behaves non-locally and, I mean, I've talked about a lot. Why in my podcast?
0: So I'm, I'm curious then, what's well, – uh, the afterlife that you are referring to, that you, it, that you I, I guess, quote-unquote, believe in, what, what do you see it as? I mean, if you don't – and I'm just – this is a curious question, so I'm not, like, accusing or anything. It's, it's, I, it's funny because I, I don't think I've ever come, come across an atheist that did believe that there was an afterlife at least nobody that, that used those two terms together. So what do you see as an afterlife?
1: Answer: You asked a question that's going to take a little bit of time for me to answer, so here goes. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I don't believe in an afterlife. I'm going to call you out on that word again. I think there is a preponderance of evidence that the laws of the universe are different than we see. I think that it is almost 100% that in some form, there's something that behaves non-locally. And I think it's very reasonable to determine a form of an afterlife. I think to jump to this like huge beyond us consciousness that controls things and creates things and does things. I mean, that's a complete leap. I mean, that's just faith. That's just making it up. I respect if you believe it. I know there's some grieving people listening to this. And if you believe it, like, I have no problem with that, but anyone who listens knows I'm purely evidence-based. So, what is the afterlife like? I don't know. Why do I? If I knew, again, my Nobel Prize, you know, come <laughs> meet me while while Stephen Hawking, I guess, if consciousness survives, like and I communicate, I could hang out with him. But there you go. Here's what I think is multiple things where I've seen consciousness behave non-locally. I'll start with I have seen mediums get accurate information under tight controls. I hide my name. I hide my identity. I even thought some might use facial recognition. That's how skeptical I am. So I used phone calls, Google voice numbers. They knew things they could not have known by normal means. I will say only a tiny percentage, but these are the ones that are being studied by Winbridge and Dr. Julie Beischel and certified by the Forever Family Foundation. I've seen plenty of nonsense, too. I bent a spoon. I... Can't explain that by normal means. I personally experienced it. I have become dear friends with some of these mediums and have come to trust them. That's anecdotal. I would completely respect if you then dismiss that as an emotional whatever. But I have come to see I have religious friends, too. And the medium's definitions of when they talk about their experience is much more evidence-based than my religious friends. I have witnessed this small percentage mediums defy the laws of the universe again and again. I have gotten signs from, again, the other side's of woo words. so I apologize. We haven't come up with better words again and again. Not again and again, very rarely, but there's a few that I find inexplicable. I find some of the research being done by places such as the Division of Perceptual Studies at University of Virginia on places like near-death experiences by Dr. Bruce Grayson, Cases of kids with past life memories done by Dr. Jim Tucker, and then the potential that microtubulars or microtubules, it's very, very early data. It's probably not the answer, but I would think it's along the right way. Done by, um, oh my God, how am I blanking their name? Nobel Prize winning physicists, Dr. Um, Stuart Hameroff and Sir Roger Penrose, who've worked with Stephen Hawking, have examined that there's microtubulars, possibly- that download a non-local consciousness. So why could there not be this consciousness, nothing to do with a god, nothing to do with all these whatever that just has not been defined by physics yet, that will be discovered probably not in our lifetime by something similar or but significantly more advanced than the Large Hadron Collider, discovers that and it downloads into your brain and pulsates into, you know, that's my guess of what the afterlife is like and it's all forms of consciousness and from what i've understood it's just as much a leap to believe this non-material i'm sorry this very material brain can create the level of complexity of an ex- life experience and you know beyond just survival but love ideas philosophy that's just as much a leap as that there could be a substance as mysterious to us as molecules, ions, once were, that are downloaded and engage in intertwine with a brain to create an experience of being consciousness and it can do it with multiple brains and in multiple states as the body dies. That's my thought on it so far.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes, you're right. That was a long...
1: For the short, simple right. answer. I don't, It's so complicated. It's <laughs> a, there you go.
0: You asked. <laughs> that was good. That, no, I mean, that I was curious. I asked and I appreciate the answer. Um, that's, that's good. I mean, I, I uh, some of it, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it necessarily. Um, I do want to touch on something like you, you mentioned something that I might dismiss the, I, the idea and I, I really can't cause I don't know. I mean, it comes down to that. I don't know. I don't know if anything that you said could possibly be true. I really don't know. Uh, and I won't know until, you know, I take my trip over to the other side and hopefully explore something. I mean, I really am hopeful. Uh, I just don't know if that's what's going to happen. I got to wait and and see. But I appreciate the answer.
1: I'm going to ask you one question quickly about reincarnation, because I think a lot of people who think there's no afterlife never thought of this. And again, I was raised an atheist. Like, I never thought there was an afterlife. I got into this because my dad passed away. And one of my very first thoughts came up with reincarnation. And at this point, I thought consciousness was created by a brain. And my first thought was consciousness created me by all these firing neurons and it created a me and I'm getting to experience this. Why could that not happen again in 200 years? I wouldn't be Liz again, but I could be another human being. Just the dumb luck that it was a me happened once. There's no reason that couldn't happen again. No karma tied to it. Just a bunch of brain neurons that I got to experience as a me again.
0: So are you, are you saying that, because I'm not not sure what, it sounds like you're saying that maybe in like a thousand years or a couple hundred years, another human being is born and it looks, acts, speaks, and kind of talks just like you. That would be another you. Is that what you're saying? No? Okay.
1: No. What I'm saying is, let's say, like, you're experiencing life as Kenny. You touch yourself, you know, you... (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Jesus. Quickly. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Did wow. So, hey everyone, for joining us. Welcome to the show. We have taken a turn down a dark, dark alley. <laughs>
1: so, for anyone not looking at the video, I, my face is bright red now. I think I'll keep that in because that's so funny. You have to be able to laugh at yourself when you're like, talk about dying all the time. <laughs> that was
0: elegant. Oh, that was great. I love. Oh I love my it.
1: God. that was so embarrassing for me, but that that was fantastic. I can't deny. I hope everyone knows I poked my arm and met like you're a material being. You feel it. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to tell you, Kenny. I sort of disguised what the podcast is about. Okay,
0: okay. Hey, you know what? Let's let's run with it. See what happens. <laughs> okay. Let's see what
1: our only fans and followers are saying. Okay. Let me back this up. Like you poke your arm, you feel it. You have thoughts. That's your personality. It would have nothing to do with a Kenny, but let's say you also just not you, Kenny, but just a consciousness that you experienced as a completely different person. Like if you imagined what would it be like to be that person and I, and you actually got to be them. Why in like 200 years could another Random dumb luck of brain cells, not somehow create something where you're feeling it as you, as a totally different person.
0: I I guess I'm having trouble with the concept if you, you would have to know that you were you. And are you retaining all the information that you previously learned? Reincarnation to me is, is, is when you're, you're, as I understand it, it's being born again in another body after you, you previously died, but you are still you, just in a different body.
1: That's what some of the research of Dr. Jim Tucker and Dr., the late Dr. Ian Stevenson implies. But my very first thought, and I'm curious as someone who's a complete materialist, as I originally was, I actually kind of am. I just think there's going to be a material answer that defines consciousness non-locally. My very first thought before thinking there was any carryover of memories or personality was more where I thought the fact I'm me was a coincidence. And just imagine you're a totally different person. Take away you meaning Kenny as you and mean just that you experience like life as Kenny. Now, just imagine if being a totally different person, but like, let's take a random person. When they're hungry, you don't feel it. When they're thinking, you don't know it. But what if you just were them, but not as Kenny, just experience, just consciousness? Why could a consciousness that was a you, not a Kenny, but just you're experiencing it the way you absolutely do not experience being any other of the, what is it now, 8 billion people on the planet? What if it was an experience that you happen to be, but not as yourself? Is that clear in any way and why could that not happen in like 300 years
0: I honestly have no idea what you mean (laughs) I'm totally lost here not me but me and not me I I don't I'm not following and maybe it's me I'm not following that uh, that that line of thought there but I've only read a little bit about reincarnation so it's not something I'm I'm up to date on or, or an expert in the ideas that are that are modern ideas about it Uh, i guess my biggest issue is that when these cases are studied it's studied from the point of when the attention is grabbed so it could be a few years it could be a few weeks it could be a few years but the the person of interest here the target person um that's claiming to be reincarnated is already a few years old at least when we're talking about children, if not older teenagers or adults. And the study starts at that point when they start saying that they were in a past life. And we don't have all the information before that. We can interview people. We can interview friends and family, of course, and we get those eyewitness uh, accounts. But eyewitness accounts are flawed. There could be biases. Uh, These are families that are together and likely and and it's not 100 percent, but i would say it's more than likely that the family and friends have already talked about it and discussed it and kind of synced up their stories not intentionally but synced up their stories before a researcher came in so i don't know if past interviews because all of it would be anecdotal about how a child could get some information about someone else there's just so much involved. And again, I haven't looked into this as deeply as I would like to. So I'm not confident in speaking about it. But I can just give those ideas off the top of my head.
1: I don't want to spend too much time on reincarnation because I'd love to hear more about what you actually have had a lot of experience with. But take, have you delved into the cases of Dr. Jim Tucker? Because some of what you said, the kids have the memories and Dr. Tucker's team comes in. And finds the family of the people they have the memories about, and I'm just curious of the reincarnation cases you've looked into. Is it the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies cases?
0: No, it's not that. It's it's more um, some of the books that I have back here behind me um, deal with parapsychology and reincarnation is one of the subjects, and I've gone through read a couple of chapters here and there because unfortunately i don't get a lot of time to read anything that's not outside of or that is outside of what i'm working on constantly because now this is my full-time job investigating mysteries so every every day i'm actually working on something i'm working on multiple cases and everything that i read has to is in relation to what i'm working on so i get very little leisure time to Get into something else. So unless something came up with a case where I had to investigate a reincarnation case, then I would actually get into it and start looking at all the literature that's associated with. So, no, I am not familiar with that. So if I commented on it, I would just sound like an idiot because (laughs) I don't know the material.
1: So if you ever delve into Dr. Jim Tucker's case, really examine them and the old cases of Dr. Ian Stevenson, I would adore to have a conversation with you about your thoughts on that one day. Okay. So I know you work on what you defined as ghost hunting. So tell a story of a case you worked on what you, what the claims were and what you discovered.
0: So there's been a lot over the years um, that I've gone into and, Some of them are very short, uh, a lot of private homes that I've gone into, so I don't really discuss those too much because most of the time they want privacy. My first big, big case, the big one that I I was able to expose was um, at a place called Whisper's Estate, and it's a very famous haunted house, or at least it used to be. I don't know if it's very popular anymore, but it used to be this bed and breakfast. It was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, It's in Mitchell, Indiana. And I went out there. I had heard the stories about it. And the big story, because it was called Whisper's Estate, is because ghost hunters could go there and they wouldn't have to do their EVP sessions, like recorders. They could hear a spirit singing lullabies with their ears. And this happened a lot. They said it had like an echo to it. And it was a really freaky kind of sound. And it was famous for that. So, for years I had wanted to go there like really bad. Cause you know, that's like, all right, <laughs> we don't need equipment. We can hear it right. Just with nothing. I mean, I'm still going to record it, but we can hear this. So I was invited out by a uh, local, it was a, uh, a podcast that was doing a live show from there. They invited me out for the weekend. I went out and nothing happened. We didn't hear any voices. There was no sightings. Nothing ever happens. And unfortunately, that's a side effect of being a skeptic, I think. <laughs> One of my superpowers is to stop all paranormal activity around me, um, which is a bummer. But uh, we get into the, the, the house, and I notice that there has there's a lot of nice woodwork all over the place. It's an old house. It's beautiful. And under the main stairs, there's a panel. There's an access panel. And I notice that it's a different kind of wood. And there's different screws. So I mentioned something about it, but because it wasn't my house and I wasn't actually paying to stay there, I didn't want to take it apart. But apparently I went up overnight to take a nap and the people that I had told took it off. Uh, So when I came downstairs, the the access panel was off and there was a a chute, like a metal chute going down to the basement. So it was a big hole in the floor. And then there was a metal, uh, I think it was aluminum uh, uh, chute that went down there. And I was like, oh, cool, look, there's a crawl space. That's pretty cool. So I went down to the basement, climbed up, because there was a wall that gave you about two, two and a half feet of crawl space under the house. So I crawled in there, crawled over to the hole, through dirt, like this is a dirt floor that's open to the elements, so it was kind of disgusting. But I got in there, poked my head up out of this hole, and I started talking, and there was this metallic echo. And the ghost hunters that were there, they had experienced the singing before and they said, holy shit, that... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your show.
1: My company is called What the Fuck Just Happened. So feel free.
0: And I think I'm okay. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, they were like, wow, you know, that that sounds exactly like the little girl that we heard, that echo going. So that made me start thinking like, all right, so I'm kind of guessing that the sound is coming from here. And I looked around and I noticed that on the main floor... About four feet or so from where I was poking my head up, there was a air vent that was supposed to be for heat and or air conditioning, but it was just a grate in the floor. There was nothing attached to it. So that was open to the crawl space. And I started crawling around and there were supports uh, like concrete uh, brick supports around there. And I kicked something over and I go over, pick it up. It's a speaker. And it's right underneath the vent going to the main floor. This is exactly where they hear the singing coming from. It's not just the living room. It's actually right there in the the, the entryway. And I was like, "Oh, well, look at this!" Picked up the speaker and noticed the the wiring was set on a path. It wasn't just crumpled there. It was actually set around the pillars, going back to the basement to where there was uh, there was old CD equipment that was taken apart, but stored in a a big bin. So I didn't solve it completely, but my idea was that they were pumping this, this music through. They had recordings and they were using the speakers to pump it through. And the catch was that when I visited, it had been under new ownership. So the new owner, since the new owner took over, the little girl's voice had not been heard. And it's not been heard since. Um, so I'm pretty sure, like I'm confident, but not a hundred percent because I don't have all the proof, but I'm the evidence points to a hoax. And that was really, really cool. It was, it was exciting to me because that was like a Scooby-Doo moment. And I, I was able to get pictures of the speakers because there was two, I found another one. And, uh, it was just like, wow, this is mind blowing that this, this person was broadcasting this and pumping up this reputation. And it looks like it was a hoax. So that was one of my favorite cases. And that really started me on the way of, of better methodology of investigating claims. I'm not just sitting there waiting for something to happen. And that's one of the distinctions I make between like what I do and what you usually see ghost hunting groups do. They usually go in and sit and wait for something to happen. And I, I refer to that as a stakeout. That's not investigating. That's just waiting. And I, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, insulting, but that's what it is but I'd rather go in there and look at the claims and investigate the claims and and see what's going on. Like, what can I find? So that, that was one of my better cases, my early cases.
1: And now do you think the original owners were deceiving and then sold the place and the new owners were genuine and got deceived by having paid for this place and no longer hearing the voices that they thought they were going to get?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Because the, the uh, podcast host, had called the guy, the owner, the next morning because the podcast guy was pissed off. (laughs) I mean, you can imagine. He set everything up. He was promoting it, and we find out that it's likely a hoax. He called the owner. The owner gets mad that, one, we we took the panel off, (laughs) and I was like, that's why I didn't take it off because, you know, it's not my place. But he was mad because of that, and he was also mad that we found speakers uh, and embarrassed. I think he was angry from the embarrassment that somebody – Found it. And not only somebody, but a skeptical guy, uh, because, you know, it's like, oh, great, the skeptic freaking found it. <laughs> that just, you know, makes it even worse. So, yeah, I think he was deceived.
1: Oh, I mean, I actually feel bad for him. And how many do you think of the majority that reach out to you? Do you think most are honest and just confused or honest and, you know, believey? Or are there a lot that are trying to deceive?
0: I think the majority are honest. They really believe what they're, what they're saying to me. Um, they're, they really believe the alleged evidence that they got and they're presenting to me or sending to me is real. I don't think there's any deception for the most part. Uh, they're genuine. They tell the story. They have emotion tied to it. They are looking for answers. It's a small percentage, and I don't know what percentage it is but it's smaller than the people that are genuine that are definitely deceiving they know what they're doing they know that they don't have something they know they either created it because i i catch that sometimes they created something or they they kind of know it's not real but they want to believe it anyway and they usually believe it anyway because it's it's a chance at the spotlight And that's a common theme that I see. it's it's a chance of the spotlight to get on TV, maybe to get a a series deal or a book deal or, you know, become the power celebrity that gets invited to all the conferences and gets paid to be there and they can speak. And, you know, they get the spotlight uh, a lot. So but I think definitely the majority are sincere. I don't think a lot of people are really trying to deceive me, but. There are some. <laughs> There's always some.
1: Is it hard to let people know the results? Are they often devastated? Or what, how, how do they react when you show them that it's a normal material answer?
0: It's a mix. Uh, I think early on, it was, a, it was a bigger mix because people were really... They really thought they had something. And when they're told no... And this is why. And that's something that I, I it's my practice, it's my philosophy. I do not just tell you no. It's not a ghost or it's not Bigfoot or it's not this. I tell you why I think that, which often leads to a very long conversation. But the the mix of reaction is usually, you know, sometimes they're hurt, they're disappointed because they really thought they had something. Sometimes they get angry because they really thought they had something (laughs) and now they find out they didn't and they're pissed off. Um, And usually they're pissed off at me. And I don't know why. Well, I know why, because, again, I'm the I'm the one that uh, the the buzzkill. I explained that their photo wasn't what they thought it was. I explained the video or whatever. And now they can't go forward. But on the other side, there's a lot of relief, too. Because especially if somebody thinks their house is haunted and they don't want it to be, there's relief when I can tell them, well, no, you know, these orbs that you have are usually caused by dust particles or bugs or lens flare or something like that. And we can recreate what you have here. And there's relief because now it's like, oh, all right. They're not laying in bed at night with the lights off thinking, you know, there's demons looking at them, you know, watching them take a shower and stuff like that. You know, so there's relief. You know, there's other times, though, I, I should inject this, that I don't offer an explanation. And that usually comes with somebody that's going through like a recent death. And they tell me more or less about a feeling like they had a dream the other night uh, about like their their mother or father that had just passed away or, you know, a friend of theirs that visited them in a dream or they felt, you know, they just were watching TV and they felt their presence. You know, and they tell me, they ask me what I think. Like, well, does that make you feel good? Yeah. Well, then I really got nothing to say about it. You know, I can't tell you what a feeling is. I can't tell you what caused that. There could be a whole plethora of things that caused that. But is there really any need to get into it? No, I don't think so. You know, if it brought you some comfort, knowing that, you know, having that, that idea that your friend was around or your family member was just saying hi, so be it. I'm not there to ruin it, you know, if they persist, (laughs) then I'll say, well, you know, it could be an open window somewhere. It could be a breeze. You could have gotten, you know, we we can get into it a little bit more. But I'm very polite about it because, you know, you're dealing with a very emotional topic. So I don't want to I don't want to upset them and piss them off for no reason.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's very different if you meet someone who's trying to make claims so they can make a lot of money versus someone who's making claims because they're in grief and. Are hoping their loved one is with them. That must be a very different approach.
0: Oh, absolutely! If they're making, if they're trying to make a profit off of it, and when I say make a profit off it, I don't mean just like, oh, I just want to be on TV and make money on TV. That's that's more of a career thing. If you want to do that, I'm talking about if they're trying to, if they use like a piece of equipment that costs two dollars to build and they're selling it for five hundred dollars. While marketing it as a ghost detector, then absolutely, you know, I will give you my opinion and more. I will not only give you my opinion, but I'll get a hold of one and take it apart and show everyone what's inside and what it really does and how much it really costs, you know. And and does it do what they claim that it does, you know, like does it it detect the ghost? How the fuck do you do that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how you do that. As far as I know, there is no legitimate research that gives us the qualities of a ghost. So if you don't know the qualities of a ghost, you can't accurately measure for that and say, yes, this measurement is for a ghost. You can't do that.
1: Lloyd Arbach agrees with you on that too.
0: Yes, we totally agree about that. And I mean, that's just it. And I hate, I really do hate when I see commercials or videos on youtube or facebook pages or twitter or whatever where people are pimping out their their ghost gadgets for hundreds of dollars or showing them on tv on the ghost hunting shows and saying look you know this really works bullshit no it doesn't don't waste your money you know if you want to spend money on something go buy a science book learn the scientific method learn the processes go buy some uh, uh, forensic books to understand what kind of testing goes in, different kind of uh, looking at photos. What's the word? Uh, 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 deconstructing photographs and, and videos. Learn the elements that are go into that. So when you're presented with evidence or you think you have your own evidence, you can look at it and analyze it better. That's money well spent. Not on, on something that lights up and beeps for random <laughs> random reasons when you have no controls over the environment. And it's just like, oh, it beeps. That must be a ghost. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> just stop.
1: <laughs> I'll 100% agree with you on that. I'm curious now. Did you always think there was no afterlife? And not only do you think there's no afterlife, do you think all psi, like psychic, psychokinesis, do you think all of it across the board is fake?
0: So that's that's an interesting choice of words. Um, fake. So I used to believe pretty much everything. Growing up, I grew up Catholic, so I was raised Catholic. I I mean, for that you had to believe in an afterlife. There was no choice, you know. You had heaven, hell, purgatory. So these are all afterlife scenarios. So was there and it wasn't a far stretch when I grew up watching In Search of and Unsolved Mysteries to go into ghosts and aliens and monsters and lakes and stuff like that. I mean, it was like, okay, yeah, I believed everything. The more I learned, the more I understood that I didn't know a lot, you know, a little Dunning-Kruger uh, effect there. And I still, to this day, I mean, I'm constantly learning, constantly learning because now I have this, this unquenchable thirst for knowledge. And I still realize there's so much more that I don't know. And even tons more that I'll never know because I just don't have enough time. But when it comes to now and afterlife or sigh, um, like ESP, remote viewing. I, for me, I haven't seen enough evidence to convince me that it exists. I've seen people try it. I do a very informal remote viewing test uh, once in a while. I have a box. It's actually out in the hallway here because I'm at my office right now. Um, It's out in the hallway and it was a remote viewing box and I would do a test. I I still do it. I think I'm doing it later tonight where I put an object in there and put it out and let people take guesses. And I've actually had remote viewers come in and give me professional guesses where they have an entire form that they fill out. And it's really, you know, it's involved. Um, only one person has ever gotten it right. And it was a completely random guess. They were just guessing things that because I'm a big nerd and they know I like comic books and monsters and stuff like that. So they And they admit it. They're like, I don't have any psychic powers. I just took a complete guess and she got it right. But that's going on like five years or something like that. And no one that's tried to do it seriously has been able to do it. Of course, that's informal. That's, that's why I said it. And, you know, it's not a formal test. But I just haven't seen things that would convince me these things are real. Do I think they're fake? That's another question. Because I don't think all of them are fake. Definitely think some people are fake. Definitely think some people are, are fake. Sylvia Brown, um, stuff like that.
1: Uh, I back you up on Sylvia Brown. 100. Yeah. Yes. Oh,
0: I, I, I cannot. I, mean, I, I don't want to say anything more because she's not here anymore, you know, because I, I don't like speaking bad about the dead. But so fake saying something is fake to me. That is a claim just like saying someone can do some kind of superpower. And in order to make that claim, you need supporting evidence. So I try not to say people are fake unless I have evidence to back that up. So are people that claim to do remote viewing or uh, psychokinesis, telekinesis, um, past life, all this stuff, are they lying? I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility. We always have to consider that. It's a possibility that they're really, really good. But I don't know. I don't know what's happening. That's my answer, really. (laughs) I don't think everyone is fake. But right now, personally, I haven't seen anything that would convince me that these superpowers are real. And I'm not being insulting saying superpowers. It's just easier to say superpowers than just list a whole bunch of words that sometimes I can't pronounce.
1: I won't take it offensively. And I hope no one listening takes that offensively. Um, I have a few questions, just quick one about remote viewing that I'd like to get a little more into your thought process. Have you ever had the top, top remote viewers, the Stargate ones like Paul Smith? or um, Pat Price, and the, or anyone in that top group do it? No. No. Okay. No. As I'm sure you've heard, the Supreme Court in the United States just overturned Roe v. Wade, which protects a woman's right to have an abortion if she chooses. Now it's illegal in some of our states. If anyone is looking to obtain an abortion and you live in a state where it's illegal, you can check the following sites. I suggest using a VPN, virtual private network, which hides your identity on your computer or phone. These are the sites, womenonwaves.org, womenonweb.org, aidaccess.org, plancpills.org, Wholewomanshealth.com, abortionfunds.org, and of course Planned Parenthood. I linked all of them on our Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore, and they're saved in our stories. These are also great places to donate and see if they need any help. Approximately 185,000 murder cases went unsolved from 1980 to 2019. On average, 66% of homicides are solved each year. So what about the other 34%? Alarmingly, the number of murder cases that went unsolved by police hit a new high in 2020, resulting in only 50% of cases being solved, leaving far too many families with no answers, no resolution, No closure. That's why we investigate and report on unsolved cases, to spread the word in hopes of helping families who are searching for answers. We don't sleep. We're just actively looking for her.
0: These girls were alive. They were living, breathing people. They weren't a picture in the media. There was a a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body. Who, Who was it? What happened? What could have happened? Who could have been involved? There's no answer. And, and it's just horrible. A true crime series investigating mysterious, unsolved cases. Real people, real stories, real crimes. Tune into Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We are at Speaking of Crime on Instagram and Facebook and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. No, I'm very small, small time. And again, because it's informal, it was more of a fun thing to do. You know, like I would love someone to just be like, oh, you know what? You have a clear bottle. It's made a classic white cap, got a yellow label on it with like black letters, some kind of hazard symbol on it. I think it's, you know, hand sanitizer that's in the box. And then you know, I lived up and for those that are just listening, I, I'm holding up a bottle that's exactly that description because I described what I was looking at. You know, that would be awesome. That would be really cool and worth looking into. But I guess what I'm getting at is the, the, the little bit that I've read. And again, I, I'm not an expert on this. So I want to make sure anyone that's going to come at me with hate mail or like, you know, we're going to pound you down with information. I am not well versed in this.
1: Do not send hate mail. We're respectful. We'd like to talk about ideas. I would be so sad if you were mean to anyone.
0: (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be the first time. So, I mean, I've, sadly, I've gotten used to that, but most of the stuff that I have gone over. And I mean, I do go over some of the published uh, literature because uh, a friend of mine and colleague, uh, Dave Schumacher is very into that. And we, we do a show together with another, uh, another gentleman, Tim Vickers, but, Dave is into the parapsychology research and literature, so he often shares papers with us and I go through them and I read them as best I can because I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And I read the abstract, <laughs> the intro, and then the conclusion. And then if there's questions, I usually get into, into it with Dave and then maybe we'll go through the, the, everything in between. But for the most part, I see a lot of just statistically significant results. You know, where that's the result. It's statistically, and that's a word that I have trouble saying. So if I screw it up, that's me. Statistically significant. And that's usually like all that I see. That's all I see is happening. And then it's followed by, you know, this may prove to be something legitimate or may show that this is a real phenomenon. I'm not, I don't want to say this as a, is, is derogatory or in a bad way. Cause that's how it's coming out. That's how I'm hearing it when I, I'm speaking, but it's always something about it needs continued research. And it's, it's never, it's never, and science is never final, but it's never like a real concrete kind of answer. It's always may or probably, or could be, which is interesting. But when it's over and over again, I, I, I don't, I lose that interest. And again, I might not be reading everything because I don't read everything, so I don't know if there's other stuff. And I see you smiling, so I don't know if there's other stuff that I'm not mentioning. I'm
1: just smiling, like I'm enjoying the conversation. Go on, yeah. There's so much, but you know, I mean, if you ever and took ten years of your life and examined all of it, no, you know, and that's it,
0: you know, like that's that's the problem. Like I would love to do nothing more than learn about all of these topics, but there's just not enough time to to be well versed in every one of these topics. And it's nice like this conversation that we're having is actually nice. I appreciate it because you're not you're not trying to force me into a corner here. And I've been on interviews where someone has told me, "Oh yeah, we want to talk about like your your ghost investigations and stuff." And as soon as I get on, they're like, "So, we're going to talk about this leaked UFO footage from the the government." And they go into a conspiracy theory and I'm like, "Well, that's that's not what we were going to talk about. I'm not up to date on that, they don't care. They keep pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to look like an idiot because I don't know what you're talking about, um, which is why I appreciate this conversation because it's like, all right, I'm telling you I don't know and you're cool with it, which is good. I like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much I don't know. I wouldn't be astounded if I found out none, you know, I mean, how do I know? I've at this point think there's a preponderance of evidence of an afterlife. Would I be shocked? To find out otherwise, no. Would I be shocked to find out there was a God in heaven? Yes, I'll put it that way. So, you
0: know, so I, agree. I, I would be shocked. That I mean, I can't, I can't hide it if just if it was proven by science, like really proven, and we have evidence that just is overwhelming that there is an afterlife and ghosts exist. And you know, it, well, if a ghost popped up behind me. You saw it said, hey, you know, turn around and I turn around. There's one here and I can talk to it. And then we have the best interview in, on the planet because we would sit here and interview that ghost. That would be great. I would be shocked as shit, <laughs> but it would be something I'd be excited about. I wouldn't be upset that I was proven wrong because I've been proven wrong before. And it's it's a good thing. I mean, I hate being wrong, but it's a good thing because it's like, wow, this is so exciting and such a new a path of information and exploration that I can go down. There's a ghost in my office. Holy crap. (laughs) You know, that would be awesome to me. That would really be awesome.
1: Yeah. And I have seen levels of evidence like that, that I've interpreted to that level where I am like, Holy shit, unfortunately not a, consciousness discarnate i kind of like to use those words because i don't know i feel like it makes me sound less woo but you know like car- discarded ma- like materialized next to me and you saw it too and we were talking to it and it was talking the level we could if it was that good we wouldn't be having this discussion because it would be completely factual if yeah. the communication between dimensions worked like that you know there wouldn't be questions yeah.
0: the, the conversation would be different it'd be like You'd be asking me, so after the camera shut off, what you guys do? <laughs> you know, did you go to the bar? Did you go haunt right. some people down the road?
1: But we wouldn't yeah, we wouldn't be investigating this any more than people still investigate meteors. So, you know, I know that originally there was these reports of rocks falling out of the sky and everyone thought it was bullshit and there were meteors. So yeah. I don't know. I mean it would just be fact, but unfortunately the evidence isn't that good. I think our grieving experiences would be very different if it was that good yeah but what i actually want to ask you so you believed everything kind of we almost had the opposite experience in many ways of reversing where i believed nothing and have come to conclude there's a most likely an afterlife you had the reverse you just believed you you considered yourself just like a non-critical thinker believing everything What would you define as much as you can? I'm sure it was a long, complicated process. What, how would you describe your turning points?
0: So there's a, actually in the next issue, I think of Skeptical Inquirer magazine, that's, that'll be coming out soon. Uh, My origin story is in there. And I actually go into what turned me around, um, really got me thinking. And it, I mean, I can give you a real brief thing. So I was in Gettysburg. Pennsylvania for a ghost conference many years ago when I was a ghost hunter after the conference went to the battlefields because that's what ghost hunters do and during that there was another group that came out and tried to they were walking towards our secret area I'll leave it at that ghost hunters are very territorial so they were coming towards our secret area I got mad I walked out of the woods because we were in woods walked out into the open field and I yelled at this other group. And they stopped and then ran away, back to their cars, drove away. The next morning, they were telling the story to the conference people of how they saw an apparition the night before. And they started giving details. And as we listened, realized that it was me that they had seen um, and that I I gave them information. I told them like what I was wearing, what I looked like, what I said, everything. They didn't believe me. They didn't, they just dismissed me out of hand and said, no, we saw an apparition. And I mean, everything fit, everything fit perfectly. And then the last thing they said to me was, you just want to steal our spotlight. And that really set me off like, okay, one, giving you information and you're ignoring it and still pretending that you saw a ghost and two, you're just in it for fame. Like you're, you want that spotlight and you think I'm stealing it from you. I'm trying to be truthful with you. And that really set me off. That really got my mind thinking like, how many times have I done this? You know, cause ghost hunters have a, and I love, I love a lot of them. I'm friends with a whole bunch. I'm friends with psychics and mediums, and, you know, really good friends, but there's a tendency for all humans. We do this to exaggerate and, and, to maybe sh- shove some information under the rug so we can tell a story and it looks better than it is. And I saw that happening. And then I realized that I probably did this too. And I probably did it, you know, ghost hunting in someone's house. I told them that it was haunted when I really didn't know if it was or not. And that really, it stuck with me. And it, it drove me, it started driving me to learn more. And then, I mean, that's that's where it really started for me.
1: Now, do you think they were dishonest and lying or did they believe it so much you couldn't get past their belief set?
0: I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, at the time, this was this is going back to like 2005 or, or something like that. So it was a little bit ago. I think by the end of it, I mean, that, that last comment was definitely like, shut up. We want to be important. They didn't want to hear it. So whether they believed it or not, it didn't matter because they just didn't want to hear anything. And I mean, at the time, I was I was kind of the same way. I thought skeptics were bad. They were the enemy. Scientists were were the enemy because they didn't want to take our information into account. And uh, I mean, I, now I'm turning around and seeing like like not all skeptics are, are good people either. I, I want to make that clear. Some are more cynical than others um but for the most part a lot of the skeptics that i work with are nice and, and polite and they want to they want to know they're just as eager to find something supernatural as i am but there's a lot of ghost hunters too that are reasonable and and even ufo hunters and bigfoot hunters they're reasonable to a point and then their beliefs take over and they can't shake that belief but do they all go as far as this group that just dismissed me out of hand some of them We see some of them on TV shows. (laughs) I can give you a list (laughs) after the show.
1: (laughs) And one of my favorite articles, I think it's a beautiful article. I'm sure you've read it by Michael Shermer. If anyone doesn't know him, I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but he's a complete skeptic. And he wrote an article about an experience that shook his skepticism to the core and made him wonder. Have you had anything like that since you stopped believing?
0: I have not. I haven't had something like that. And I, I I know, I think I know the story you're talking about. It's something with his, I think his daughter's wedding.
1: His wedding.
0: Of his wedding. Yeah. And it was his wife's transistor radio that belonged to her father or something or grandfather.
1: Belonged to her grandfather. And he just couldn't explain because it hadn't worked forever. And it started playing. Uh, and She was feeling very sentimental while she was, Overjoyed to get married, there was just this dark cloud because her grandfather had been like her heart, and his radio started playing during the wedding. I believe,
0: what? yeah. And, then
1: stopped. and there was no explanation he could come up with.
0: So I mean, now that I think about it, there was there was it didn't rock my skepticism. It, it maybe intensified it. Like I gotta find a reason. I what's causing this? And again, when I say I gotta find the reason. I'm not saying I'm going to dismiss everything paranormal and find it. If it happened to be something paranormal that I could actually prove, then that would be my conclusion. I want to make that clear from the start. Uh, But I I have a collection. So over the years, because of my skepticism and because I'm out there investigating all this stuff, people have a tendency to give me stuff they think is haunted. So I have a huge collection of like 300 items that people have given me over the years from haunted dolls, and I'm gonna use a lot of air quotes, haunted dolls, cursed items, you know, you you name it, I probably have one. So I was doing a TikTok video. I, I had a TikTok channel up, and it was all the, the pieces that I've gotten, and I tell the story, and if there's a claim that I can test, I usually test it and show you, go through the whole thing and say, this is what I did, and this is how I do it, here's the results. And I was doing a video about one item, and there was a, another item on the shelf and it was called the death clock. And apparently the, the previous owner had said something about um, it. The alarm was broken, but it went off like three times. And once was like her, her husband, when her husband died, when her father died. And I think when her brother died, so it was all men that died, which made me a little nervous. <laughs> uh, but It went off, and that's the only time the alarm went off. And it's just, it's an old, actually, I have it. I have it here.
1: Yeah, let me see it. I'll ask him to take a photo, and we can put it in the show notes.
0: This is the clock. So it's an old-style clock, big dial, analog on the back. But it's not old, old. It's still a little bit modern. And again, yeah, I'll send you pictures of both sides. So I'm doing this other TikTok video about a completely different item, and I'm mid- paragraph like i'm talking and i'm just going along with it and all of a sudden the alarm goes off and it, it scared the shit out of me to be honest because i was not expecting it it was all <laughs> set up in my basement uh, where it was quiet uh and when i do videos i make sure it's like nobody's home because i don't want to hear people walking around or someone calling me during it so yeah i mean i i jump <laughs> and i look at it i'm like oh shit like that's the death clock you know and i'm like I should check social media and see if my friends just keeled over. But you know, like just, just to check because that's a testable claim. Like I call my parents made sure everyone, yeah, yeah. Dad's okay. My brother's okay. All right. That's good. Uh, Made sure my wife's side, everyone's okay. No one died. Okay. And I got tons and tons of comments saying like, Oh shit, it's real. It's real. Look at that. It worked. You said it didn't. It did. And I mean, I, was, I, I stayed up all night. I went through the night looking at that, and I found out that it was my fault because I found that on the back, and I don't know if you can see it, uh, on the back there's a switch right, right there, and that's like a switch up and down. That's all you do, switch it up and down. And I guess from use, the switch had gotten crooked. And it had carved out the side of the, the the casing, the housing. So when I was playing with it earlier, I was setting it to see if it would work. And, you know, make sure the alarm actually did work. And when I tried to turn it off, I didn't turn it off all the way. Because it got wedged in that, that place where it carved out on the, the, the base. So it was still on. And it just happened to be set. <laughs> for a time that when I was filming and it, I mean, that, that was it. And I stayed up and I showed everyone, like I did more videos, follow-up videos showing people like, all right, this is what I found. Look at the inside. Here it is. Um, and that's what happens. And I showed people like you can switch it off, but it doesn't go all the way down. So I found a logical reason for why it would happen. And it hasn't happened since. I mean, it's still here. I keep it here in my office just in case. And I mean, as you can see, it still works. The, t- the second hand's going around, so it still works, and I'm just waiting, you know. If I get a call like, hey, you know, so-and-so died, I'll I'll see if the alarm went off. So that, it didn't shake it, really. I mean, it, maybe it gave me that split second like, oh, shit, what's going on here? You know, you always have that split second of panic where I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but let me find out. And that's, that's my immediate follow-up thought. Like, let me find out what's going on.
1: And I just have a random question, just because I'm so curious to ask someone who thinks like you this. How do you answer the fact I bent a spoon? I mean, I thought like you a lot more when it happened. And I was just like, what the living fuck? And I still am. How do you answer (laughs) that I did that?
0: I can only speculate because I wasn't there. I mean, do you have a spoon?
1: I will have to send you a photo because I'll have to dig through things and that would like take me like 15 minutes.
0: Did you... Was it your spoon? No. Or was it supplied?
1: It was supplied by someone I 110% trust. Okay. So, but you, you say that you think you don't trust them because I will eliminate that from my personal experience. It's someone I think the world loves, but
0: so that's That's interesting. I mean, if, there's two things here I want to address. I want to address the spoon and then I want to address the trust issue. The spoon thing, again, it, it, I can only speculate and give you some ideas because I wasn't there. I can't see the spoon. I wasn't observing the process. I didn't get to inspect the spoon beforehand. I mean, there's a lot of factors here that I have no idea about. So I can't say what it is. I mean, there's there's room for trickery. I know you trust the person. I don't want you to you know freak out. I know you trust the person.
1: When I first met her, I was like sneaking, I would like sneak into her mediumship room when she wasn't there and was like crawling under chairs to see if there were microphones. Like we think this is hilarious now, but I mean, I'm not going to be offended if you don't know her. It's not offended if you don't trust her.
0: Okay, good. So yeah, I don't I don't know what I can give you the the idea like, oh, maybe it was our pre-cut and as you were working it, it was ready to, to fall off anyway so a little bit of manipulation can go a long way that's my first thought and that's really the one that sticks out the most until i get there and and that's always that's always the problem like i really want to be there and see everything beforehand or i would take the spoon that was supplied in my case i would take that and swap in my own spoon and be like all right now we do it now because i would love to do that i mean i would love how about how about this we 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 do a little informal test i'll send you a spoon i'll mark it i'll send a spoon to you and we can do this again on video and you can see if you can bend it
1: the only thing about that is i would prefer to have one of the people i know the mediums who do this regularly because i have tried about 30 times since then and have never done it again but now here's the interesting part too i want your opinion on i went to another spoon bending workshop it was me and about five mediums, small, we're all small women if anyone hasn't seen me, you know, none of us are weight lifters is my point in saying that. And I would try to bend the spoons and I couldn't, and I would hand them the exact same spoons and they could. And now let's now getting to the trust the person factor. That was Lloyd who ran it.
0: Okay. And he he bent it or one of the mediums did.
1: He provided the spoons and Okay. Four different mediums kept bending the ones I couldn't, but I would still try a test with you just for fun. And maybe I can see if one of them can do it, but I'm open to trying myself again. I just never have since then, but let's send me one and we'll try it for fun. Send me two and I'll give one to a medium.
0: Okay. So the medium, somebody that's proclaiming to be a medium, I would prefer to be there. I wouldn't like a test would be more for like just shits and giggles, but I wouldn't, I, I, that's a, that's a professional skill and I wouldn't have any trust at all in that. Fair, um,
1: completely fair. So you, so tell me what you think happened. So let's do it the test you and me for fun. We'll just do it on social media and okay. just, we'll see.
0: That's, yeah, that's really fun. Yeah.
1: I couldn't bend the ones that mediums could and Lloyd provided them who I know you trust.
0: So the trust issue comes in where like, and this is, this is funny. Uh, like a good example is my wife and I, you know, you have, you, you're in a relationship Especially because we've been married for a long time. I mean, we're, we're 25 years. We celebrated this past uh, uh, May last year. So we've been together a long time. And thank you. Um, and we'll tell each other things. And I think this is mostly from me. I think I influenced her on this, but she'll tell me something like, oh, I, I looked this up or I heard this. And I'm like, well, that's not, I don't think that's true. And I'll look it up. A great example is last week we're doing my show she's writing notes she helps me out on the, on the site here and the pen stopped working for her and after the show she gives me the pen and says here throw this out it doesn't write and i immediately took it took a pen and put it down and as as i'm putting it down she's like you don't believe me and then i started writing and it wrote <laughs> ink coming out everything's fine and i looked at it and I went like, Drop the pen, and we do that all the time. So for me, that's a demonstration of like I didn't trust her, and that's what it comes out. You know, like she's like, yeah, you don't trust me. It's not about trust. Like I do trust her in in certain things, like you know that she won't try to kill me in my sleep. I trust that that's not going to happen.
1: That's an essential if you're (laughs) marrying anyone. Just if I said listening Don't marry
0: someone who might kill you in <laughs> your You know, like no pillow on my face, nothing like that. But when it comes to everyday things like that, or uh, uh, even tests like that, the trust factor comes in, and it's very hard to put complete trust in someone because we all make mistakes. You know, maybe she was writing a certain way or had the the pen tilted too far and it wasn't writing. And then when I did it, it worked fine. So. Did I not trust her? That's not the. That's not really what it was. It was. Oh, let me see for myself. That's what I'm doing. Like my parents, my mom tells me something, my wife will tell me something, and if I'm not sure, I try it myself. So, when it comes to a person that gives you a spoon and says, "Here, we're going to do a spoon bending thing," and you you bent it, and even though you say you trust her a hundred percent, like I would still question it, not because. I'm, I'm bringing trust up into it. It's because I'm not sure, you know, good people, seemingly good people do bad things. And it happens. The people, I mean, look at serial killers, you know, look at the history of serial, serial killers or any kind of murderers. Look at like, um, oh, what's the, uh, oh, my, One of my favorite shows. Holy crap. Uh, uh, Forensic Files. Forensic Files. I love that show. And one of the most common themes is he was such a nice person. You know, the neighbor's like, oh, he was so great. He was helpful. And, you know, watched after my kids and everything. And then you find out he murdered a bunch of people.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say my reply to that. The only reason I have a good reply to that is is I've everything you're saying, I've thought too. And I could see being that level of deceived by one medium, but I can name about 15 now. Some of who have become dear friends. And some less of, dear friends. I mean, maybe, maybe I have the worst luck in the world. And I have now had like eight dear friends and like eight really cool acquaintances who I would start to call friends and all of them are deceiving me. And I just have like the literal worst luck in the world. Maybe, but I the odds of that are highly unlikely.
0: But there's still odds. There, there's still, there's always a chance. And again, I'm not saying they all are deliberately being deceitful. Everything has to be a case by case. You have to look at each one individually. And that's why I don't dismiss things out of hand just because it's similar to something I've already done. Because I don't know if, you know, if if the first hundred cases that I had that are similar all turned out to be hoaxes. That doesn't mean case 101 is a hoax. And I have to look into it that's why it takes so long for people to investigate claims because it takes that like it takes days or weeks or months to look into that 101 case to make sure they are not hoaxing so everything takes time i don't try to group things together like that so i mean that's that's the most i can say about your experience without actually being there
1: and the second experience where i was the only one who couldn't bend the spoon you don't have yeah. And they could bend the same one, same thing, just nothing.
0: So why, yeah, like that makes me wonder. My first question is, why couldn't you do it again? Like what happened? You lost your superpowers. You like exposed to kryptonite or something. I don't know.
1: I mean, I have theories on that. I can't say they're right. It's, you know, me still investigating. Right. Who knows if I'll have know a lot more in 10 years. My guess is that there's some energy. I hate that word because I don't think it's the accurate word, <laughs> but I don't think we have a better word, like until the Large Hadron Collider that's going to be developed in a thousand years can measure whatever this thing is. So I'm just using the word energy. Um, Whatever energy built up in me in this one moment made me able to do it. Mediums seem to have a lot more of it. And that's why they could do it a lot more frequently than me. I wish I could explain it more intelligently. You know, we don't know. This is like, there's so much we don't know. So that's just my very, I, I want this studied. I agree. Like, why couldn't I? That's a very good question. But that's just my guess right now. Do I think I that's the right answer? I have no idea. This is what I think based on the amount I have experienced and okay. learned so far, if that makes sense. Fair enough. You know, there's people who are listening to this who are really curious and they're wanting to go to mediums. They're wanting to explore this. And I've been doing that. I have met some con artists along the way, and I have met some that I have concluded are not only genuine hearted, but genuinely able to do the what they claim. And I've met some that are genuine hearted and not able to do what they can, claim and believe, but they're not going to, it's not a dangerous situation financially to go to them or manipulation wise. And, you know, the ones to be, scared of whether of all sorts are the ones that know they're lying and are trying to deceive you and how what can people look out for how can people be safe to not end up being conned
0: that's that's a good question um so there's a lot of uh, things to look for uh there's two basic techniques that i'm sure you're familiar with um hot reading cold reading these are basic techniques. I I actually demonstrated it last night to uh, an audience and was able to like blow their minds with just cold reading. No idea who the person was just coming up with stuff, but look for questions. That's one of my, my key things to look for. How many times do they ask you questions? And I I show this all the time. I have, I have, I'm going to hold it up to the screen. This is a little counter and it fits on my finger. So when I'm, Actually, holding it, you can't really see it. It looks like a ring, but I usually fold my hands like this for a reading. And when they start asking me questions, like I see a mother, a mother figure, a female figure, this could be a mother um, or you know grandmother. They're not telling me accurate information. They're making guesses and they're waiting for me to nod my head, um, like you're doing. <laughs> like that's what I always look for. You're, <laughs> you're nodding your head. I'm,
1: I'm just telling everybody. I'm being podcast hosts, when I get my readings and I've still concluded a good portion are genuine, I'm not nodding my head and many are on the phone and they can't see me. I just want people to know that. and I respect (laughs) you have concluded very differently about mediumship than I have. However.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I I look for that. I look for how many questions they ask or how many vague statements they're making. You know, because if you see a FEMA, I guess, I mean, if you want to go as far as I go, Usually I I sit down and my first question is, how do you do this? Like, what are you actually getting? I want to know if you're hearing a voice or if you're seeing visions or if you see Uncle Ed behind me and you can actually see him like a real person. Then to me, like for that experience or, or example, you should be able to describe exactly what he looks like. Without any questions, you should just be able to say he's got a thick mustache. He's got a beard or a goatee. He's got red hair, gray hair, white hair, whatever. You should be able to explain exactly what he looks like. If you're getting audio stuff that coming through, then you I, like the one thing I hate is when I'm told, hey, I can hear hear them like I hear you like we can have a conversation. I hear spirits just like I hear you talking to me. And then they give me something like, oh, I hear a name starting with a D. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what you said you could do. And, and, and I want to point that out. I usually wait to the end. Um, so one of the really, the, one of the things to look for is how many questions and how many vague statements they make waiting for you to reply. Because I, if you're paying for a reading, then they should give you all the information. You should not be giving them anything. Be aware of your head movements. I mean, that's a, Big, big give giveaway. Be aware of your head movements if you're shaking your head yes, like you're doing, um, or shaking your head no.
1: Again, podcast, I tell people to get a phone reading where they can't see you. Yeah. So that's what I tell people to do. Um, the,
0: the Well, the problem with that, when you do a phone reading, you usually have to call. Um, and I know when you do testing, you probably don't pay for it.
1: Google voice numbers.
0: Google voice, okay. But if, if people are getting a reading by phone, I, I would say normally they would have to pay for it ahead of time. They have to schedule it and pay for it ahead of time before they get a phone reading. So that's, to me, that's not a valid control because you just gave them credit card information.
1: My fr- I'm good, I've had my friends pay. Not family, not business partners, friends, they've paid.
0: Good, and do you use their name or your name when you when you schedule it?
1: I use a fake name.
0: That's really good.
1: Sometimes they use Elizabeth, but that's a very common name, like Elizabeth Smith or something.
0: Okay, that's good. I use Eric Weiss, which, if, do you know who that is? No. That's uh, Harry Houdini's real name.
1: Oh, cool. I had no idea. I love that.
0: So I use that all the time, and uh, that throws them. I mean, so that, continue on. I mean, uh, questions, vague statements, uh, be aware of that. Be aware of your head movements. That's a big deal. Um, facial expressions, because we have a habit of, of telling people yes or no, or if we like or agree, or if we disagree, simply by squinching our face or smiling or like, ah, you know, like a big sigh, like, oh, you got it right. Or just like squinching your face up like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, there's a lot of, of little uh, 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 facial movements that, can convey your answer and tell them whether they're on the right track or not. I don't do that.
1: I just had a super fun idea and you absolutely don't have to do this because I'm springing this on you and it might be a huge pain in the ass. You gave a cold reading. Do you want to try to give me a cold reading and I'll use my professional sitter tactics?
0: I mean, I can try, but I'm not good at it. I'm not skilled at it. I just When I did it last night, it was more like, let's just see what happens.
1: If you want, let's see what happens. Whatever. And if, you're not, if you don't want to do this, we don't have to.
0: Right? So... I think, I think I'm seeing like, uh, what am I seeing? I'm seeing a father figure, but
1: I told you already,
0: maybe, maybe this is my reading. (laughs) Uh, maybe the father figure, but I'm, I'm, it's not your father. Um, I'm seeing something else like an uncle. Yes. Um, um, I'm seeing an uncle that's maybe like, uh, I want to say like, R, like starts with an R I'm not sure. Um, yes. 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 Oh wow! Um, so I'm seeing something like you were—you were, you were kind of close to them. I was uh, almost like a father, but not. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um,
1: Which one was it? Was I close to him like a father, or was I not?
0: See, you're doing exactly what I do. I love it. This is this is great. I think you were very close to them, um, and I think something happened. I'm not sure if it was a death, but something happened that really bothered you. Um, It really upset you. I'm just getting a lot of
1: that. You got well, yes. Um, No, we weren't very close. No, you were wrong in the closeness. Yes, there was a death, but you already said you're seeing them, so you. I wouldn't have claimed yes if there wasn't a death.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I can twist that and say, well, yeah. I mean, I. I wasn't sure if you were close and you forced me to answer. So I was kind of just going with it. And so that's why I got nervous and got that wrong. But there was a death. So I am seeing this person on the other side. It's not a living person. So I'm seeing this person. So, and that's just me. I'm just bullshitting. I'm really just bullshitting. Like that's, that's <laughs> what I would do to twist it around to make it look like I was right. Or that I got more hits than I did.
1: And I'm teaching people how to be a sitter.
0: And I, this is fun. We reverse roles because I'm usually doing exactly what you're doing. <laughs> that, that's good though. But, like, I mean, uncle, what was the uncle's name?
1: I don't like to say, I'll tell you privately, only because mediums listen to this. And if they, okay, okay, like, okay.
0: Medium, that's right. but the R-, R was right. R was right. Okay, see, that was totally random. I just picked that out <laughs> of nothing. I was like, oh, all right, let's go with R. I don't know. I don't know if the R is right. I mean, I actually I was going to say D, but uh, I went with R instead and I got it right. So, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, honestly, if somebody just based on that and they weren't trying to the skeptic out of me uh, or skeptic me, you know, do you think that would be kind of convincing a start, a start of a, uh, of a reading?
1: I have had people get the letter right first, and then I'm like, okay, that's on the right track. I, if that's all they got, no. If it's a start and they're right. expected to get a certain percent accurate, yeah. I say nothing but yes, no. Please explain further. Sometimes if someone says what you did, like, you're close to them and you're not. Well, which one is it? And I'll always say that. I'll say I'm sorry. I'm a, I'll am be very polite, but I'll say I'm so sorry. I'm a little confused. I do not understand. If yeah. you're saying that I was close with them or that I'm not, I, I'm really confused by that.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's great advice. I, I love that. I mean, that's exactly what I do. I, I want to clarify. I don't, I say yes or no. And then if, if something comes up more, like, well, can you clarify which one? Because usually the, the mother or grandmother, you know, the father or grandfather, or it could be an uncle. Like, that's my, always my first question. Like, which one, you know? And, and again, it goes back to what my first question was, how do you do this? So if I if you told me that you talk to them like you're talking to me, then it should be easy for them to say, I'm his uncle. Just say, uncle, uncle, <laughs> like just repeat it.
1: I've never had a medium say to me that they, of my genuine mediums, that I... What's the, I forget the quote. There's like a beautiful quote by William James when he finally trusted Leonora Piper. I always say that. I call them my white crows. But of my like white crow crew, not one of them has said, I can talk to them just like I can talk to you. They all say, I wish I could talk to them that way. And it's a little murkier. And some hear things. They're like, I'll hear names. I'll hear initials. Some will say they feel things, you know, they're very open about it. And they'll say, I absolutely wish if I could sit down and talk to them the way I could talk to you, we'd be living in a different world.
0: I I agree. That'd be great. I mean, there's plenty of people I would love to be able to to talk to um, again, but oh well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We both are similar sitters. We both know mediums. We both draw on different conclusions. In a dream world one day, I would love to, meet. you know, have you get readings from my mediums you wouldn't trust you you couldn't eliminate i didn't tell them so there you go but
0: oh <laughs> well, you know there's always there's certain things like um i mean i i if they say they can talk to somebody sp- uh, specific like if they're like who do you want to talk to and i give a name and they're like all right well, i can talk to that person uh, i have i carry with me in my book book bag which is actually on the other side of the room but there's three envelopes and inside each sealed envelope is one person and it's a profile of one person that has passed away and it's all the information that I know about them. And I usually say, well, you know, I had these three and I can tell you who I wanna contact, but there's information on here that I would hope that. At the time when I wrote them, I talked to them. Like, I don't think I was really talking to them, but I was like, hey, you know, like just for example, this is not a real name, but if I said Fred, hey Fred, you know, if you're around, I'm writing this information down, you know, take a look, make sure I'm correct. <laughs> Let me know if I'm wrong, but I'm writing this down. And, you know, if somebody comes across and says they can talk to you, tell them what I'm writing down, because that would be great. But that hasn't happened. Nobody wants to do that, at least around here. And, and I haven't taken on, I haven't sat, taken on, that's confrontational. I shouldn't have said that. But um, if I haven't sat for anyone that claims to be like a fully professional except for people like around philly that had storefronts i've sat with people like that i've gone to psychic fairs where that's it it's just all psychics and mediums and i've sat for several at each uh, event just to see what was going on but none of them have wanted to take that challenge so it would be interesting i would love to do that
1: I've done the same and I had no luck with any of the kinds you've talked about. And the ones I've had luck with are, you know, some of the British ones that studied with um, the late Janet Nohavik, Winbridge certified and forever family certified. And a few random ones that I wasn't expecting. And yeah. I've had a lot of nonsense along the way too. And I've found a lot of fraud and, yeah, you know, so God, okay. Well, when I make millions of dollars, you and I will go, I'll pay for you to like sit with, piles of my mediums, and I'll mix in a few crap ones, and we'll see how it goes. That'd be such a cool test.
0: I'm, I'm game. I'm totally game.
1: And you have to tell me which ones you would think are Forever Family and Winbridge, and which ones are fake. Okay. What a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm happy that you reached out and, and asked me to come on.
1: Great. Oh, and I have one thing. You're doing the remote viewing exercise tonight?
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually have to go. After I'm done this, I... Uh, I have like about an hour and a half and I'm going to go find an object because I usually, because like I said, I'm a big nerd and my audience knows this. So I try to get something that has nothing to do with me because I don't, want because that's what they do. They're like, Oh, Kenny loves star Wars. Let's get lightsaber. It's a star Wars figure, stuff like that. So I'm going to set that up and I'll have it in the background and, uh, at the beginning of the show, I usually say, hey, you know, we're going to do a remote viewing challenge tonight. And I pick it up and I hold it to the mic and I shake it up so they know something's in it. And then it's like, all right, it's sit here, put a guess up in the chat room, you know, put the word guess and then put your guess so that we can star them and, and, and tally them up later and see if anybody got it. And then I offer a prize, you know, like it's a silly prize, like a book or a puzzle or something like that. So it's fun. It's fun.
1: I'm gonna. Can I participate? I won't. I I have actually a work call, so I don't think I can officially. But can I email you tomorrow and just try it and let everyone in my podcast group know if I got it?
0: Absolutely. It's uh yeah. It's there's a target ID on the box because I uh, several remote viewers have told me it has to have a target ID.
1: I'm gonna try three challenges. I'm gonna try one in advance to advance remote viewing, one at the right time, and one afterwards. Okay.
0: Okay. So I will make sure. Cause sometimes I open it up at the end of the show, but other times I tell everyone we're going to wait until next week and I'll open it. So I'll wait till next week to open it so that you have time to get your, uh, your guests in. Okay. Awesome. Great.
1: So I submitted to the remote viewing contest and I was not even close. I did all three and way off, not even a little bit close. So those are the results. And if you want to learn about some successes with remote viewing, you can check out my episode with Paul H. Smith. He is a professional remote viewer. He was part of the military remote viewing program called Stargate. And the episode is episode number 39, Psychic Military Spies, U.S. Army Stargate Project and Remote Viewing with Paul H. Smith. And he is Obviously, significantly better than me, who, again, didn't even come close. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciencey Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad. How as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife, and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just... Whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me, and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to WTFJustHappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. And now we're gonna pause for a second for the question of the week. So a lot of people have asked this question. Why do accurate mediums still get some information that's wrong? Okay, so the short answer is, I don't know. The scientists like Dr. Julie Baichel and Dr. Ed Kelly don't know. But there's some thoughts on this I also talk about it more with mediums in some future episodes, but here's some ideas. First of all, some might just be completely wrong. Mediums are people. No person is 100% right in their career. Even the best of the best get things wrong. Also, maybe the discarnate, your deceased loved one, is thinking or remembering something you don't. How often does this happen with two living people where someone remembers something or perceives a past event a certain way and the other is like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that at all. Or that's not how it happened. So maybe that's it. Also, sometimes the medium does turn out to be right. And you, the sitter, didn't know something. I love when that happens because it's just so evidential. It also helps add evidence that the medium is really communicating with someone who passed away and isn't reading your mind. I've had a few really cool experiences like that. I mention a few in my book, such as when my friend and psychic medium Renee Buck knew something about my uncle that I was convinced was wrong. She kept insisting... She was getting this, and she was really confused. And it turned out she was right, which I was so happy about. That was just really interesting. And so another idea, and I've seen this happen with mediums, is that the medium is interpreting based on their own life and worldview and experiences. So I'll give a specific example that really happened to me, and I'm going to just kind of suck it up and give away some evidence here. So I had a medium early on ask if my dad was a firefighter. No, he wasn't. So they asked who in the family was because he kept showing a fire, which they usually associated as someone being a firefighter. And there wasn't anyone in my family or anyone I was close with I could think of as a firefighter. So then they asked if he was hurt in the fire. And he wasn't. And I just could have marked fire as wrong. But then I realized he must mean Fire Island. That was a key place to my family and where we spent our summers when I was growing up. It means so much to my dad, too, for so many reasons. So that's what I said. I was like, could he mean Fire Island? And the medium said, oh, my God, yes, that's it. That just feels right now. So that's kind of a balance of what you accept and move forward with, and when you feel you're pushing it and making things fit. And there really isn't a perfect scientific formula of how you do this. I'll I'll go more into that as another question in a future episode of what you accept versus what you reject when the evidence isn't 100% clear. But I hope this gives some insight into the possibility that information isn't necessarily wrong when you think it could be, although it very well just could be. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org/clubcare programs for a complete list of programs and activities. Where can everyone find you, follow you?
0: So, yeah, you can find me um, on Facebook. I have a page called I am Kenny Biddle, and it's not like I'm being conceited. I always sometimes I put that disclaimer in. The name comes from I've dealt with so many people on social media that hid behind page names instead of their own name. So I never knew who I was talking to um, or if I was talking to several people instead of one. So. I made that page. I am Kenny Biddle. You know who you're talking to. It's me. So you can find me there. I'm on Twitter under my name. Um, I'm on uh, TikTok under my name. You can also find my work at skepticalinquirer.org because I write for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, both the print version and the online version. And uh, I do lectures everywhere. Uh, anyone that has me, you know, that will have me out. I do lectures. I just did a lecture series on how to get uh, paranormal believers and skeptics to work together, which is went over really well. Um, I also do workshops on photography and solving mysteries like my steps for solving mysteries and uh, deconstructing photography that's out there like ghost photos that are out there of famous ones. I deconstruct them and show you what I see and, and how to recreate them. So, uh, there you go. That's me.
1: To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to WTFjustHappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened A Sciencey Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what-the-fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore, or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net and remember you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened